This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Yeah, ready to go? Okay, so good evening everybody. Welcome to class number two, Journey to Greatness, based on Chayvah HaTalmidim, safer here that we are exploring. So, as we said last time, many of these ideas are going to come specifically from the safer, but we'll try to embellish and turn this into something you know, which relates specifically to our lives. So before we start tonight, I just want to say that a new WhatsApp group has sprung up. It has grown from the ground, and it has, um, Baruch Hashem, a number of people who have signed up to that. Um, if you want more information just to follow the classes and get, you know, the replays and all of that, you can go to nasanel.com, and it's posted there, and you can sign yourself up for that WhatsApp group. Um now, without further ado, let's jump right into this. So, last week we spoke about the idea of chinuch, and we said that chinuch really applies to each and every person, is in a certain sense cultivating what we have underneath the surface. And a person who does that and, and figures out their own flaws to be removed and their own potential that they themselves can um, harvest and, and, and really bring to, you know, to its full potential... That's a person who's, who's living life to the max. So that was what we spoke about last time. So today, I want to share with you in a little bit the, a, a certain encounter that I had recently on a trip with a very, very fascinating individual and something that I learned from him. But in order to get there, I first want to go on our own little mini journey this evening so we can discuss specifically um, a couple of elements over here. So what he talks about in, 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 in the next concept of Chavisat Hamidim is that when a person is trying to effectuate change in his life, the way that most people go about it is usually very cerebral. It's very focused on, on learning. Most of us who went through either yeshiva or schools or seminaries, our, our focus to a very large degree is retaining information, is knowing information. And of course, there's a lot to be said about that. You know, we're a people of the book. We study the book. We dance around with the book. That's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no limitation to how much a person needs to know. But what many people lack, and this is going to be the focus of tonight, is what many people lack is they lack the emotion that's associated with any given mitzvah. And what he talks about is that if a person wants to become great as a Jew, you want to become a super Jew, you want to be somebody who's doing things to the max, you can't simply tackle that item or any series of items. We'll talk about, let's say, Shabbos or Kashrus or anything. You cannot only tackle it from a cerebral place. You cannot become, let's take Shabbos. You cannot become somebody who's Shabbos observant simply because you know the halachas of Shabbos. If you want to be somebody who, when your child will look at you, they'll be like, I am excited for Shabbos. You yourself have to be excited for Shabbos. If you're not excited about something, if there's no emotion that's packed into it, then you have a problem. I was recently, actually this morning, it feels like 50 years ago, but it was this morning, I got back from Yerushalayim. I was in Eretz Yisrael today, I guess today, you know, I don't know. I literally, I'm jet lagged, I'm all over the place, okay? Um, which is why we're having this year on Thursday as opposed to Wednesday, because Wednesday I was in Yerushalayim. And I, I had a meeting um, I sat with, um, I sat down with a, a gadol, and we were we were talking, and he was saying that you know many people when they are mechanech their children, 
So they basically tell the child what to do, and the kid is listening because they're obedient. Something that we spoke about, you know, last last time we spoke about that. And he said, but the parent themselves, because the, the parent is not excited about the davening or or what's going on in shul, the kid is oftentimes thinking to himself, okay, so I'm going to follow my father exactly. I'm going to mirror the words that he's telling me. So I'll sit there and I'll point and I'll do whatever it is that he tells me to do. But as far as the, as far as the excitement, I see my father's excitement. I see my father's, the real davening that my father has. So what happens to the kid? The kid is sitting there thinking to himself, there's like almost like two tyras. There's a tyra for a child, and then there's a tyra for an adult. And the kid is, is like very excited. I cannot wait to become an adult. Because when I'm an adult, like then I really don't have to daven. Only kids have to listen along and point along and sing the songs. And it, there's a lot of truth to what he's saying. And, and it, it's not so much of a chiddush, but in a certain sense, it is. Because a father who is excited, or a mother who is excited about anything... It, it automatically translates into an excitement by the children. And what's more than that is that if your excitement and your knowledge, if you couple the two, if you couple the two together, then it, it's just really a potent force. Your, your preparation for, for Pesach, for example, if it's excited, then you have your halachas, the knowledge, I got to do this, but it's also the gishmak. There's something there that makes it something that passes on to the next generation. So that's the first thing that he talks about. He says that a person cannot simply know what he's doing. Knowledge is not enough for chenach. In order to be mechanach yourself, your families, your children, anybody around you, you have to light a fire first inside yourself. And when you light that fire and there's an excitement and there's an emotion then it carries forward. And he, he talks about the fact that if you ever hear a delineation of the categories of Taira, it often says chukim and mishpatim. And the first thing that it talks about is chukim. Chukim are laws which we do not understand what, they are, what they're for, right? The idea of shatnas and, and all these other things. Chukim are laws that we don't understand. Why would that always be listed first? So he says because it's a message when it comes to chenach that more important than the intellect then the mishpatim and the dinim, the things that we could understand, is telling the child, you may not understand. But that's not the point. You do things because it's geschmack. It's not about your brain, it's about your heart. When you go into Shabbos, don't sit there making a chajbin of the 39 malachas, how restrictive it is and what I can and cannot do. Go into Shabbos with a relationship. This is geschmack. This is Shabbos. You're, you're going to a restaurant, you can't eat there. You say, I can't, I don't, I can't eat here because this is not my standard. You're, you're getting dressed and you say, this is tzniyas or this is not tzniyas. I'm excited to dress the way that I dress. Everything that you do is not about the rule book. It's about the excitement and the feeling that goes along with the rule book. And this is an important part because there's a lot of people who live their lives in Judaism with only the excitement. People are very spiritual. You're very spiritual, but you're not abiding by halacha. There's something there that's missing as well. You have to have both components, a complete adherence to halacha and shulchan aruch, and that is how we live our lives. But not only because it says it, but also because you actually feel it. I remember many years ago, my Rebbe, Rebbe Yisrael Berkowitz, tremendous Paisek, Tamachacham, everything. There's not enough words, you know, to talk about how, how amazing he is. He, he said over a story, which I heard at the time, and it was probably 14, 15 years ago that I heard the story, and I, I remember the story almost every day. He said that he was sitting once, and he turned and he asked his daughter if she could bring him a drink of water. His daughter went into the other room, she came in, she stopped, 
And she started like chuckling. And she said, And she put down the drink of water. So he stopped and he said, Okay, very nice. Please do me a favor. Go bring me another drink of water. And this time bring me the drink of water because you love me. And his daughter said, what do you mean? But there's a mitzvah sasei deiraisa of bringing my father a drink of water. He said, you're misunderstanding the mitzvah deiraisa. The mitzvah deiraisa is that you love your father so much that when your father says, could you give me a drink of water? You run and you get him a drink of water. Then you're mekayim the mitzvah deiraisa. You don't walk in and say, hinani muchan mezuman to do something with absolutely no emotion. The mitzvah is to have an emotion, not to do something simply because it says it. And what, what, what we're saying over here in Chayr Satamidim is that it's not just the emotional mitzvahs. Every single mitzvah, Shabbos, has an emotion attached to it. Everything has an emotion attached to it. And if you go into something simply because, as I state, this is what it is, and you're completely dead emotionally, then you're not being mechanach yourself. There's a risk that there will come a time where you just say, Ugh, I just feel so burnt out by all these rules and all these laws. It's just going to be another thing that I have to do. I have to check the list. As opposed to saying, no, what do you mean? Shabbos is coming? I'm so excited. Pesach is here. Wow, another yontif. Another opportunity for me to connect to my parents. Another way for me to raise my children. If everything has an excitement, then it actually has longevity within you and your family and your children. But if everything is about the rules, then rules will ultimately feel very restrictive. And this is an important element within chenach, not just for children, but also for ourselves, for, for adults. He quotes a Gemara. The Gemara says that Rabbi used to sit down, and the first thing he would do is he would make a joke. And everyone would laugh, and then he would go into like a very deep piece of Gemara, and he would teach over halacha. So he asked, why is it, Rabbi, Rabbi was one of the greatest, why he had to tell a joke? So he said, a joke is an emotion. And he was trying to show them that I'm not just going to sit here and bore you with information. I'm not just going to sit here and you have to be completely zoned in like Malachim. We're humans. There's a human experience. And as part of the human experience, Torah is Geshmak. And Rabbi Berkowitz always used to say, he would say, humor is Chachma. Humor is Chachma. You think about it, right? In order to tell a joke, you have to have Chachma. There's something behind what's going on over here. And, and what Rabbi was basically saying was, I'm not just going to sit here and give you an intellectual sheer, something where you're going to follow all the pieces down to the bottom. I want you to smile. I want you to laugh. I want you to cry. I want you to live Tyra. Tyra is life. And if you live it, then you're going to laugh and you're going to cry. And then you're going to think about all the laws that also go into that as well. The, the message is very compelling that in order to become successful in anything that's related to Yiddishkeit, and I'm going to argue really anything in life, you have to have an excitement to what you're doing. If you're simply going through the motions, if you're checking the list, if you're on your diet and you're just sitting there checking the box every day, you're going to start to dread it. If you're going to the gym because you have to go to the gym, you're going to start to dread it. It's going to feel like, well, I have to. I don't want to. Why do I have to? But if you go into it and you're just excited... Even when it's challenging, you're like, yeah, but this is, this is me. This is what we do. I know that this is in the greater good. If you add a certain simcha to your simcha, meaning you're going, your family's making a simcha, you're excited about it. You're, you're having a challenge. You're excited about it because you realize that it's helping develop who you are, your emotion. You put simcha in your life, real, true simcha. You start to feel the things that you're doing. It completely transforms them from being mundane 
to being something that will actually have real longevity. And the last thing he talks about, and then I want to segue into something else, is the idea of the kayach of a mashal. He says that a person should try as much as they can to use mashalim and other mechanisms of transforming ideas from being abstract into something that becomes absolutely practical. There is a movement today amongst many people to try to take ancient concepts and 2022 it. We're almost 2023, like 2023, meaning to modernize it, right? To say, oh, well, the Torah was written thousands of years ago, but today it's different. And what he's explaining is that no, the Torah is as relevant today as it ever was. Maybe I can't say more so, but the Torah is eternal. But for a person to go ahead and say, I need to change the Torah, that's a massive problem. But for somebody to say, how does Parshas Vayera apply to my life? How do I, how do I take a concept and actualize it for myself? This story that happened in the, in the Torah, Bilam, Lavan, anybody you want, how do I take that story and how do I actually make it real? How do I take something and, and I come into the Shabbos and every Shabbos I'm going to prepare to take one lesson out of this Shabbos. How do I actualize it? How do I like pop this kernel that's sitting here right in front of me and every year I go through the same parashas and it just, it's just a bunch of stories that happened thousands of years ago. Use the concept of mashal in order to transmit something which seems very abstract. But when things seem abstract, they also seem to have absolutely nothing to do with my life. They seem like there's something from thousands of years ago. It's some story of some man on a donkey and people walking through the sand. It has nothing to do with me. That is not Torah. Torah means taking concepts and making them absolutely real in my life. And when they're real, then I can start living by those principles. I can start feeling excited about it. And then also, obviously, with adherence to Allah. So the concept of it feels good or it feels like modern and I'll do things within like the concept of spirituality, but it's not real. It's not real Torah values. That's a problem. But when I'm living my life with real Torah values on the one hand, meaning I have all the seichel, it's all the intellect, it's all lined up, but there's an excitement about it. When you put those two things together, you have something that's absolutely potent. So this trip that I just had to Israel was my second. I have three trips back to back to back. Today is basically one of the only days that I'm in this area. Then I'm leaving again on Sunday, whatever. This is how everything's scheduled, scheduled out. On my first trip, I was in middle of Nowheresville, Nowheresville, and I was in a hotel lobby. In this lobby, checking in, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this man sitting on a chair in the lobby, and this man is absolutely humongous. He's, he's like, his shoulders are, are as wide as a car. He's sitting, and I'm like, this guy looks like a professional monster. I mean, like, like a total, like a different class. So I haven't, I like sometimes remember faces. I don't want to say I'm very good at faces, but like I remember faces generally. And I remember you came once, right? And I remember you didn't come last week, right? So <laughs> right? I remember faces, right? And I, I, like, I was like, not only does this guy look like, like, he looks like huge, but I feel like I've seen him somewhere. Like he seems like he's a famous guy. So I went. I walked over to him, and I saw that he was sitting and talking with somebody else. And when that guy left, 
there was like an empty seat there. So I said, do you mind if I sit down for a minute? So he's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I sat down. I said, are you who I think you are? So he said, yeah, probably. Um, and he tells me his name. I'm not sure if I should say it or not. Whatever. Okay, I'll tell you his name. Okay, his name is John Call. But he doesn't call himself John Call. He calls himself something else. So I said, um, I said, okay, like, who, who are you? So he said, yeah, I'm... Um, Okay, so let me tell you who he is, okay? He is a world-class bodybuilder, martial artist, weightlifter. Um, this guy is literally, he, like, makes splits across a room, lifting, like, a thousand pounds, like, from just a different world. So I stuck out my hand, and he shook my hand, and my hand went numb. I mean, his finger was as big as my whole hand. He just an absolute monster of a human being. So... I said, how are you? Can I ask you some questions? So he said, yeah. So he said, you have questions about nutrition, about fitness? I said, absolutely not. I'm Jewish <laughs> and I'm a rabbi. I have no questions about fitness because that's not really our thing. Um, I said, but I do have a question for you. So my question is, you're obviously somebody who's achieved greatness in your field, right? No question. Top 1% of 1% of athletes in the world. This guy is just absolutely. I said, I have one question for you. What was your motivation to, to from becoming just a regular guy? Because nobody's born like this. This is like a full-time job, right? I said, what was your motivation from being a regular guy to transforming yourself physically to this level where you're sitting in a lobby and you can't help but look and be like, is that three people or is it one person? Literally, his arms are bulging out of his... It's like it makes no sense. So he said... He said he said, well, it's an interesting question. He said, but nobody's, like, he's like, people don't usually ask that. They usually ask about, I said, I know, but I'm, I'm curious, like, what your motivation is. I'm very big into motivation. So he said, he said, let me think about this. And he said, all right, I got three things for you. He said, this is my, this is, if I would, to lay out my life, this is how the three things go. He said, number one is I never view myself as separate from my goal. Okay? So, and... A lot of the things he talks, he was talking to me about, by the way, we're going to find a lot in, in the safer here, okay? Not necessarily tonight. We'll talk about them later on. I never view myself as separate from my goal. He said what that means is he created this persona. It's called Juji Mufu. That's what he calls himself, okay? Oh, it's okay that I'm saying this on Torah anytime, okay? <laughs> okay, so that's his, that's his, like, moniker, and... He basically, he said, that is me. That's who I identify as, and that, that, is, that is who I am. So it's not that I am an accountant, for example, and I go to the gym. It's I want to become the greatest bodybuilder slash martial artist slash, I don't even know, you know weightlifter. I don't know what, what his titles are. I want to become the best and that is me. I am completely synonymous with my goal. I am one with it. it. There's not a separate, I am this, but then I also do that. It's, so, he said for, so he said, that's number one. He said, number two is, I've taken my entire life and I, I create a braid where every single thing in my life weaves into this one common goal. So if I map my life, he started when he was 13 years old. He said, if I met my life from when I'm 13 till I'm 100, I create this long braid. And everything in my life now fits completely towards this end goal. Everything. He's like, you think I'm just sitting here right now? 
I'm not just sitting here right now. I'm sitting here right now because I had a workout, and then my muscles need to relax, and then I had my meal plan, and then when I'm speaking to somebody, it's because I'm planning my tour. Every moment is there about creating furtherance of my goal. There's never a second that the person I'm talking to, sitting, eating, walking, nothing. Everything is specifically to target this end goal. Everything. It's like a braid. And number three, he said, I'm constantly making a chesh nefesh. My words, not his. Okay? He's not Jewish, by the way. Um, and where I'm going through this braid and I'm cutting off the loose ends of anything that's a distraction. Anything. So like social media and stuff. He has people who like, you know, manage his social media. He has like 300 million views or some crazy amount on like his different platforms. They, those people do it. His focus is bodybuilding, strengthening, stretching. He, he's written books and like some of the books say like, let's say stretching versus whatever. Tony has all his different books and then he has books that are like for those in-between days when like you don't have, you don't need to focus on your stretching or your toning or whatever. You're going to do this, what you should do on your in-between. There's always something. There's never a moment in time. There's never a place. There's never a food. There's no candy because that, you know, every element in his life is going towards a goal. Always. So I am my goal. Number two is I create this braid where everything leads towards that. And number three is I trim the fat. There's never something that's a distraction. So I asked him if he was married, right? Because whatever, right? <laughs> so he said he's married for 10 years. Um, I said, where does she fit into your goal? So he was explaining that everything had to be synonymous with who she is and her personality and his goals and everything. Um, whatever it was very interesting. And then at the end he said, he said, do you think that I'm not being authentic with you? So I said, well, if you weren't authentic, two things. One is you wouldn't have achieved you know, the success you have. And two is your wife wouldn't have stuck with you for 10 years. Like, 10 years, you know, by some people is a very long time and whatever. So we had, it was very nice. It was the nicest guy, really sweet. Now, why am I saying this? Because I think that there's a lot of chachma in various fields, right? And this is a guy who's achieved tremendous greatness when it comes to physical abilities. This is, this is something that he, he, he's achieved. Very few people in the world will ever get to that level. But what about us, right? In our own lives, right? We're told about greatness, we're told about greatness, we're told about godless, godless Adam, Gedalim. Every day we hear about these things, right? How do they do it? The answer is that they become B'nai Taira, somebody who becomes in their bones who they are. They stick their entire lives. It's either about what they're doing, what they're learning, anything, right? And then they cut out all the things. It's like the Asay Taiv and the Sormeira, right? That is literally our entire existence when you're trying to do something good. And I, I, I think, just for tonight's concept is that let's try taking two things and, and coupling them together. One is, we Baruch Hashem, many people have the knowledge. When it comes to anything, it comes to Shabbos, most people, Klirishan, Klisheni, Klishishi, we know, we're smart people. Baruch Hashem, we're educated. If not, there's a million classes on Torah anytime, you can become educated in five minutes. But what you cannot become educated in is emotion. Emotion is something that a person has to stop on their own and put it into their lives. And it's an avayda that most people, unfortunately, don't ever tap into. They don't. It's either something that you got from your parents, you saw it, you saw it somewhere and it became contagious, or not. And if it's not, then many people just go through the motions day after day and week after week and yantif after yantif without actually consciously reawakening or awakening within them that emotion. And I want to argue 
that if you look in the in the in the psukim of let's call it this week's parsha, just to give you a little machshava, so we'll start off this week's parsha making it alive, right? You find that, for example, Avram Avinu, right? He was there with Lot, and Avram was on fire, and Lot was not so much on fire, right? He goes to Sodom and whatever. What happened here? The answer is, I believe, one word, right? When it talks about Avram Avinu, it says that he was rots. He ran. What do you mean he ran? He ran, it was an excitement. Avram lived with, with an excitement. He didn't just preach to people and say, you should know this and you should know this. He did everything, every chesed and every, everything that he did, he did with an excitement. And Lot saw it and he said, mm-hmm, okay, got it. I got it. I know. I understand. It makes sense. Very cerebral, right? Avram Avinu stealing from somebody else's thing, it was like... Yarg Val Yavar, like there was there was a certain fight in him that you don't see by many people. There was a fight. No, we can't act we can't do that. And Lot was like, I hear, but there wasn't that excitement anymore. It wasn't an excitement about not stealing. If you go through the parshas, you find the same thing with Yaakov and Esav, right? Esav was there, he heard, he heard, he heard. His head, Taka, was buried in Maras Machpelah, because his head made it, right? His brain made it there. Unfortunately, the rest of his body didn't have that same zest and that same excitement. And if a person wants to achieve greatness, the concept is that a person has to be all in. And how are you all in? That not just everything is going towards a certain goal in, your, in our minds, but that in reality, anything, literally Shabbos, Parsha, a relationship, anything, it has to have an emotion. And the challenge that I would say is that if a person wants to take this to the next level, Take something that on a consistent basis, either once a week or once a day, not just that there's a consciousness about it, but there's, there's a consciousness to the, the emotion that's behind it. You know what I'm saying? You're davening something. Don't just think of Pirish Hamilas of this thing. Think about Pirish Hamilas and then think about what that Pirish Hamilas means to you. You understand what I'm saying? Think about like, this is not just a bracha for whatever, and therefore I'm being conscious that this is the words that I'm saying intellectually. What I'm saying over here is that Hashem is, 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 is he's, he, could, he could heal everybody. Very nice. That's in your brain. But stop for a minute. Hashem could heal everybody. You understand what that means? He could heal everybody. It means your friend who's sick, her husband's dying of cancer. Hashem is the doctor. He's better than the doctor. He enables the doctor. Understand what that means. Do you understand what that means? It means that the Melech Malchi Amlachim who's living all around us, the one who you're talking to three times a day, a hundred times a day, you're making brachas, he is the doctor. Wow, that's an excitement that pulls you. Take anything. Don't just make the intellect go a step further, but couple it with an emotion. And when that emotion is there, your emuna will grow, your avas reim will grow, everything around you will grow because you're doing it with real excitement. And when you do that on a consistent basis, you are now further down the path of greatness. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.